Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Any questions about this uh, practice we're doing? Anything you'd like to hear a few words more on? Yeah. So the question is about thoughts and insight, and what is the distinction between the two? So I'll, I'll use a little f- um, framing that might uh, work for you and others. So the practice we're doing here is uh, insight meditation, vipassana. This is uh, what we're uh, practicing. And uh, in uh, Buddhist uh, thought, I think there's we we could talk about three uh, kinds of uh, un- three ways we understand the world. So it's kind of broad, but it might be useful. So one kind of understanding that we have from the world comes from information, so receiving thoughts and ideas, yeah. And so there's a lot of this in the main culture. It's very very valued. There's a lot of this, uh, like we're we can, if we want, be constantly receiving tons of information. So this is one way to understand. So somebody, like now, I'm saying there's three ways to understand. This is information. Like, oh, three ways. You know, so it helps me organize the world, the experience. Yeah? There's another level that is reflection, uh, consideration, or contemplation. So I'll be thinking, oh, what does it mean in my life? Does that apply? Or so we think. So we use the thinking mind to organize the world, understand the world. It's, it's extremely useful. So here there will be some of these two. Uh, so information, instructions will be given, etc. You'll be thinking about this, maybe in the break times, you'll think, oh, I wonder what it means, or what it means in my life, this practice, or how I can integrate it, and you'll think about it. So there's a third level that is what we call uh, meditation, and that's the field of insight. So meditation is not thinking about. Meditation is a direct experience of life. So it's not conceptual. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about the breath. I'm not thinking about walking. I'm not thinking about tastes and food. I'm actually having a direct experience of pleasantness, unpleasantness, crunchiness. Crunchiness disappearing into another texture, yeah? I'm having, uh, I'm not thinking about shame. I'm having a rush of it, and I'm awake in the middle of it, a desire to disappear, let's say, or not be. I'm not thinking about it. I'm experiencing it, right? I'm experiencing movement. I'm experiencing breath, yeah? I'm experiencing maybe clarity and confusion, not thinking, I'm so confused, I'm always confused, but like, con- what's confusion? Don't know. Don't know what to say, where to go. 
that experience. So this is um, this is the field of meditation and insight. So insight is not so much a reflection or a thinking. It's a kind of a we could call it a discovery we make. So one of the classic insights. There's many. Some are more psychologic, psychological, and so some are more. Um, Maybe we could say spiritual or liberating in a deep, deep way. I'll give you an example of two. So a psychological insight will happen to some of us during the retreat here at some point because we'll have been very careful at attending to present time experience as we sit or walk. Very careful at feeling the breath, experiencing boredom, experiencing calm, these different things that will happen in the heart and mind will be very present as we walk. And again, waves of boredom or doubt. What am I doing here? Oh, I'm really into this. And we'll feel the different texture of the mind states. At some point, there'll be a, maybe a sense or a voice or an attitude inside that will be maybe denigrating. The, yeah, Like a sense like you, stupid you, you know? And instead of believing it, we'll be touched by it. We'll be like, oh my God, like a sense that this is so violent. And the insight will be, wow, usually I believe this. I just like, when this kind of attitude or voice comes in, I kind of believe it. And now I just saw, this is abusive. I'm putting words to it, but that's going to be experiential. So that's a psychological insight, we could say. Another kind of insight is the insight that we'll have is, uh, is going to be about impermanence, which we talk a lot about in Buddhism. So, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll be touched by just that, the disappearing nature of uh, ec- excellent tastes. So I'll be quietly eating and maybe somebody will offer something chocolatey at some point during the retreat. I hope I'm not setting (laughs) something up. But I'll be very, very quiet tasting and there'll be like a rush, amazing rush of like gratification, you know, like delight in taste, you know. And just because I won't go into, as usual, "Ah, I love chocolate, I always love chocolate, I need that recipe, you know, I won't check out. I won't be captured by my thought, I'll stay there. I'll feel the taste disappear. And maybe I'll be deeply touched, right? Wow. Things appear and disappear. I won't (laughs) think it, I'll experience it, it in a penetrative, intuitive insight. This is what it is. It's deeper. It's a, it's a penetration into truth or in a, in a deep way. And it takes a mind that has some steadiness to it and doesn't go really quickly into preferences and stories and descriptions. And, you know, it stays close. It takes time to gather this mind like this. So it might take a, a couple of days for sure. Is that a little helpful? Okay, thank you so much. So it's sort of a follow-up to that question. Um, 
recognize it's my monkey mind doing it, but it's constant. It's like so often. It's just, you know, it's just there. You know, it has to do with, it has to do with, for me personally, it has to do with missing somebody. And it, and it, uh, where does that all fit in there? It just seems like, uh, you know, it's like as soon as I stop doing the breath or anything, So uh, describing the experience of shame, and it could be in some ways um, any strong emotion that's kind of recurring, let's say, just to make it sort of broader also for people. And um, sometimes there's a story with it too, right? Like you think about like why it comes or there's a story about, I like I did this or I shouldn't have done this or something like that, right? Uh, so one way to work with that um, in practice differently than maybe we usually relate to it Uh, is to bring this kind of different way of knowing to this direct experience of uh, shame or if it's anger or fear um, in a very like visceral and tactile way, um, feeling the movement of that energy through your body, through your heart. So the story may be going on, like I should have done this, like I always do this, I can't believe, you know. And if possible, usually usually we engage with that part of the story Um, the word part, the concept part, um, can learn to drop the attention in to feel uh, what the movement of energy is like. Like it could be heat, it could be contraction, it could be a sense of vibration, like to feel actually in the heart in some way, in the belly. And I'm pointing around here because oftentimes you get it kind of in the throat, heart, belly kind of thing. So to be with the movement of energy, which is always impermanent. So even these different states of mind that seem like, oh, it's there all the time. Uh, Usually there's some variation that we can see. It gets larger, it gets smaller. Um, It goes away when you hear someone talking about chocolate or something for a little bit, right? And then it comes back again, right, like that. So recognizing that um, it too is impermanent, it's kind of like a weather pattern that comes through. Now it could be like a um, kind of recurring weather system, Uh, but in being with the energy of that, um, in some ways in a extremely close and intimate way, but in other ways uh, different than we usually are because if possible to not take that to be yourself, right? So like this is like not to not identify like, oh, this is me. It's just this movement of energy and to be with that in a very close way, but also uh, without owning it in some way. Can you follow what I'm saying with that? Uh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely takes some practice, and it's a very different way of relating to um, thoughts and emotions, um, which is one of the gifts, I think, of this kind of practice, is to understand like, a different way to do this uh, as well. Um, so if anything comes through your head, like a thought pattern, like once, twice, three times, by the third time, check and see if there's some strong emotion that's kind of underlying that, and if so, try to be with that emotion instead of kind of like chewing the cud of the thought over and over again. Because many times we have these same thoughts, we think them over and over, we're not actually learning anything new from them. Um, so if you notice that coming once, twice, three times, then see if you can feel, okay, what's the, like, it's sort of like emotional fuel underlying some pattern. And in this way, like we too are part of nature, like they're just systems of like cold air and snow and, you know, typhoon and, 
you know, <laughs> like whatever it is going through, but no weather pattern stays. Like it's always temporary. It has these different conditions around it, and then it, it disbands. In, in some ways, yes, in the like small L way, I would say, because when we don't identify it with, we don't actually suffer as much from it, right? Like we're not thinking that like I am this shame or we don't totally believe it. It's sort of like we can see that as a visitor passing through. Uh, and it both has the effect uh, usually of allowing that energy to move through more, you know, than when we're totally identified and kind of clamped down on it, right? Um, and also, there's a way in which it's possible to suffer less from it when we don't identify with it. Um, so, like, if you don't identify with the temperature in the room, then if it's really hot, you'll experience that, but you don't feel like there's something fundamentally like wrong with me because the room is hot, right? Or um, if it's raining or snowing outside, like you don't feel like that's me, and like I should stop raining or snowing, or you know. So, in the same way, it's possible to just sort of allow this nature, kind of recognize ourselves as nature in this way, and like allow it to be there. The bigger L liberation is uh, <laughs> where there gets to be, uh, you know, after we see this um, usually large number of times, <laughs> then uh, it's possible for um, there to be some learning that, uh, like, this is the case of everything. And so then kind of like naturally we become more aligned with that perspective such that we don't identify with stuff. Uh, and then along the way also it's possible for there to be an alleviation, like an uprooting of um, particularly the unhelpful patterns, the unskillful ones. Um, so there can actually be a change in the weather, which is very radical <laughs> for the good, yeah. So. Just a little uh, add on to this. I think um, sometimes we. Um, when there's a strong emotion, we might be thinking a lot and it's actually maybe a way to avoid the emotion. So we want to resolve the thing because I don't want to feel that shame or I don't want to feel that hollowness or loneliness or, or emptiness or, or whatever it is. So I'll be very busy debating inside. No, I'm worth something. No, you're worth nothing. No, I, I am. I hope I am. I'm a, am I not? You know? and, and so we're very, very busy. And in this practice, maybe we're learning, as Anushka is saying, to actually feel the emotion. It takes a lot of courage to actually allow loss to be felt, you know, not explain, not trying to fix it, bypass it, and all. Of course, we would do that, you know, it's painful. And so here we create the conditions, the silence, the attending, all the words, the invitation to attend, to stay, you know, to, to stabilize the mind so that we, and heart so that we can actually f- feel some of these emotions and not uh, fight with them so much and allow them to wash through, which is a, can be a powerful experience, but also it reveals their wave-like nature. And I think also by dropping the constant 
telling of the story or telling of the other story that could have been or you know etc by dropping the words and feeling like this it allows a feedback loop to happen we we're, we can be touched by what's happening instead of avoiding it you know and this for me is the birth of compassion because I could be sitting here and like no it's going to be okay it's going to be okay everything's going to be okay and actually I don't know what's going to happen oh I actually don't know what's going to happen. And in that, for me, that I want to avoid at all costs, when I actually touch into this, there's also a lot of heart there. Wow, we don't know what's going to happen. Ah. And I discovered that actually it takes a little less energy than to avoid feeling. But we can't um, will that. We have to kind of soak, avoid, do all the th things we do for a while until at some point it's just too exhausting. You know, oh, okay, shame, do your shame thing. Instead of me trying to avoid it, you know, let me experience it. So maybe there's some of that in there. So the, the question or comment is about um, letting go of writing and uh, reading and that uh, how challenging that practice is of the, the, that level of silence uh, and how to bring balance around this. Yeah, so we, uh, we go away from our usual stimulation in ways that we, uh, we get uh, busy and uh, occupied and and so it is there is here like a rite of passage and it is a it's a huge uh, it can be a yeah a big uh, yeah it calls on it's something you're you you're called on to be suddenly heroic huh? there's something about this it needs a lot of courage and actually we're doing nothing but it <laughs> It's ex it can be extremely uh, challenging, yeah, yeah. And as you say, there's a richness in it. You already are intuiting this, you know, that there's, there's something about it that is powerful because we move out of our habits of getting busy and conceptual 
and we come a little closer to life. You know, we're removing a lot of the veils and buffers, you know. And so we say, let put, put down uh, stories that you could read or concepts, even about the Dharma and these teachings, and actually be here. Experience the boredom, experience the loneliness, or experience the neutrality. Nothing much happening, if that's uh, what's happening for you. And can you actually stay there? Yeah. Very difficult practice, because human beings, usually when uh, it's good, it feels good, they want more of it. That's what we do. It's good, so we get busy. Okay, how can I get more of this, secure that, uh, improve it, you know? And when it's uh, difficult, we want to get away, busy. Make me check my emails, whatever, you know, let me get busy. I don't want to feel this. And when it's neutral, we also freak out. (laughs) There's nothing happening. Something should be happening. Give me a book. Give me something to, some problem to fix, you know? And so here we actually are doing this very humbling practice of experiencing fully pleasure when it's there, experiencing fully displeasure when it's there, and experiencing fully neutrality also when it's there, without uh, freaking out if it's possible, you know, learning. And it's, it's very chaotic and messy, but that's what we're doing. So I'm encouraging you to stay and keep doing this you know, stay around, stay with that practice of uh, renunciation of uh, where you could just... And if you have to, if you feel like you're actually... it's way too difficult, then grab something that has ingredients on it that you can read, you know. (laughs) Let me get really busy reading the tea ingredients uh, (laughs) or anything else you can grab, you know. And then feel, maybe it stabilizes you a little bit. And you can, okay, okay, I can return to breath or nothing, temperature, you know. So, a few words on this, maybe Anushka. I think also the form and the retreat and uh, meditation practice is all, in some ways, designed to reveal all of this. So, uh, it's working uh, properly. (laughs) And a lot of what it reveals is actually this discomfort that we have uh, with a variety of circumstances that, left to our own devices, we're able to kind of paper over by constantly seeking some pleasant or distracting uh, stimuli uh, in our environment from, like, watching TV or picking up a magazine or, you know, anything whatsoever. And, um, yeah, these days with, like, phones, like, you don't have to stand even in line and just stand there. Like, you can quickly be looking at your email or see if anyone texted you or news, but it's like, wow, what if you actually just stood there? Could you do that? Or even in the, in the sitting practice, when we sit here for 45 minutes, um, it's a discipline of that form of like, oh, let's just sit and see what happens. And, um, you know, if you ask someone outside, like, oh, could you just sit there? They'd be like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. But then when you actually try and do it, you see all the things that come up in your mind and your body that actually make it uh, difficult to do that, you know, challenging. So um, <clears throat> this is in the, the Buddhist teachings. One thing that is revealing is this thing called like dukkha. There's like this dis-ease that is there in our experience that we uh, ignore, dodge, push away, distract ourselves from. And uh, here the premise is that it actually is helpful for us to uh, face this in some way, for us to learn about it, for us to understand that, and that the usual way that we deal with that uh, is actually not one that brings us a sense of um, peace and well-being. It's like a 
kind of at sometimes low grade and at sometimes obvious high grade like freneticness <laughs> that is like running away from what seems to be inside or outside or you know something like that. Um, so it's definitely is uh, it can be very challenging to face. It takes a lot of courage, as Pascal is saying, but uh, it's very very worthwhile thing to do, I'd say. And a very uh, good help for us, a quality of mind that's a help is curiosity, right? So if there's this part of you that's like, oh, I, want, I want to read a book, why is it, you know, like oh, I have to read something, or I want to like watch Netflix or whatever, you know, then as I get curious, like, oh, what is it that's happening right now? Like what, and not by thinking about it, like, oh, it's eight o'clock, I usually want Netflix, you know, but more like what's happening inside? Like, is there a sense of um, physical pain? Sometimes there's a physical pain and we don't notice that like we're cold or itchy or something, and immediately we're going to the escape, you know, but we haven't even faced, like, what is the initial stimuli there? Or am I having an emotion that is difficult for me, unpleasant? You know, am I um, in pain emotionally in some way, so I quickly want to, like, eat something or watch something or, you know. So there's a lot to be learned from that, too. So I'd say with curiosity, just try to bring awareness to see, like, oh, what's up here? Physical body, emotion. Just check it out, and you might learn some interesting things that will help you, right? I mean, kind of in a, in a basic way, like with eating, uh, many times people eat for a whole variety of reasons that doesn't actually have to do with being hungry, right? So maybe we're lonely, maybe we're bored, we're scared, uh, something like that. So, uh, yeah, it could be good to just at least know if you're being driven to the fridge, <laughs> you know, what is the driver, and then have some choice about it rather than kind of like habitually like doing something like that, so... I'd say that here, um, so if, if what we're primarily trying to do is practice awareness and, you know, connection to the body, even in the in-between times in some ways, like feel what it feels like to move around, um, there can be some relief from not having to constantly be looking at people and, you know, greeting them or recognizing them. And uh, it doesn't mean that you don't like people or that, um, you know, you're being rude, but it's actually more that you're... Um, focus is on developing this uh, awareness of here, right, rather than external. Um, you know, if it so happens sometime that you're stepping through a threshold and you catch someone's eye, then that's totally fine. But notice also even the energy that's going towards, like, uh, looking at people or recognizing them or smiling. Um, it is a way in which it's kind of an energetic um, pull, right, externally. So here the general instruction is that you don't have to do that. So you could sort of put that down. Um, and actually, even a glance at someone can be kind of intense, you know? Like, it, it can be uh, sort of unwanted attention sometimes uh, that can feel, like, intrusive or, yeah, something like that. So you don't have to be too um, hyper-vigilant about it, like, if you happen to look at someone that it's a problem, but notice that impulse to do that and see if you can sort of, like, Turn that gaze back this way <laughs> a little bit. 
Yes. Yeah. And here, sometimes we think about it as the gift of solitude, you know. So we give to the others the gift of solitude. I'll give you full space to be with your experience and explore, you know, what's in the heart. And the so, so it's a, I, f- I feel it's there's a movement of generosity in that for me. I'll, I'll lower my gaze and I'll give you full space while you eat or walk by, you know, to be with you, so you don't have to relate. And So the question is about um, being sensitive and experiencing fully uh, phenomena in life and equanimity <coughs> and uh, how to balance the two and something around, around that. Right? So my understanding of what we're doing here um, is actually that we're developing two things at the same time, uh, probably many more, but two things. Uh, is we're developing sensitivity, sensory awareness, being being aware of the senses, so being sensitive. And so that's the fully part, feeling fully things. And at the same time, we're developing stability of mind, balance of mind. So because if we were developing just sensitivity, we would become like, ah, you know, all... But at the same time, and we're developing stability by, and you might feel this in the tone of the teachers, in the form itself, and in yourself developing, that we're, we're encouraging, we're inviting, we're valuing, we're cultivating a calm, the pacification of the mind. So we're, we're kind of saying it's not so much our ideas about things, our preferences, and how we would like to, them to be, and all our ideas about things, but the experience of it. So can we come back to the experience of coldness in the finger, you know, and let go of like, oh my God, why don't they put more heat? You know, all the positioning that would be kind of, uh, you know, the judgments and all this that will, will be... Uh, uh, the mind would be scattered and reactive, so the opposite of equanimity balanced. Yeah? So we're saying, can we come closer to the experience? Can we hear the sound and not make something out of it? Can we feel the temperature and not make something out of it, but let it be? Can we feel even the emotions? We're going to go towards this more and more, the emotions, and not make anything of it, but feel, or become aware that the mind is producing thoughts, but not make anything of it, not follow it, not believe it, but just say, oh, now are these kinds of things said in the mind, you know, or, or emotions washing through. So it's not like, oh my God, fear, always so much fear, I'm tired of being fearful, I'm so fearful, why is, it, is everybody fearful like this? No, I'm the only one, you know, but just like, wow, fear again, fear in the throat, wow, fear here. And so, just in these words, I don't know if you can feel the invitation for equanimity. Oh, fear is here. Uncertainty is here. Oh, 
joy is here. Not like, oh my God, it's so great, I want to move here. You know, like, just like, wow. <laughs> Wash through with fear. I don't have to grab it. I don't have to make anything of it. I can just experience it fully and see it change into something else. So intuitively, slowly, naturally, this is where we're going, what we're going towards. Sensitivity, becoming aware that we're sensitive, we're, we have senses and they're touched all the time. Even the sixth sense that Anushka talked about, the heart or the mind, is touched by emotions, ideas, uh, different productions, you know, different views and perceptions. And so being sensitive and allowing sensitivity, allowing it to be there, allowing it to be this. Can, okay, so this is uncomfortable, displeasurable, I'm sensing that. Can that be okay? That this is pulling or piercing. Can that be okay just for now? So we're using unpleasant sensations to develop uh, balance of mind. We're using pleasant experiences to cultivate balance of mind. So life being full. Equanimity is not being indifferent, removed, uh, cynical or disconnected, dissociated. It's being close to. So we're talking here about vibrancy, you know? Like things start to vibrate. The more we'll be here, the more the taste will stand out. The temperature, wow, warm. I feel it so much because I'm staying close to. I'm staying. And staying means I need to be balanced. Otherwise, I'll take off, you know. Is that? Yeah, thank you. So cultivating uh, friendliness towards ourselves in our practice, uh, yeah, it's a very helpful thing to do, uh, to recognize kind of like what's the attitude with which we are uh, relating to this body, uh, the experience, the mind, and you can start to notice like, oh, there can be sometimes some sense of uh, contraction, judging, pushing away sort of thing, uh, but it's possible to also be curious, open, kind, you know, some this quality of um, gentleness, um, and we'll, we'll do some um, practices. Um, I think tomorrow is related to this, uh, specifically about metta, quality of mind, that's uh, like a, uh, bringing a sense of goodwill towards ourselves and others. One way you could uh, just feel into it a little bit is recognize like, oh, is there anybody who I have a real sense of uh, very natural like love or well-wishing towards in my life? And it could be someone from the past or someone now or a little child or even your pet or, you know, grandparent. It's like, oh, what's it like when I think about them in my heart? And I, oh, I have some sense of, um, like, warmth or goodwill. And you know, that quality of um, goodwill or, like, unconditional friendliness, you could say, is where, uh, like, if you have a good friend and you ask if they, they come, you haven't seen them for a while. It's like, oh, how's it going? How's things? And they might say like, oh, these things are going really well, like I have a really good job and new relationship and you'll be happy to hear that. But then sometimes they'll say like, oh, like everything's going badly, I had this breakup and my apartment's leaking and like 
cars falling apart, and, you know, and you'll listen to that too, right? Like you won't be like, come back when things are better and talk to me, right? <laughs> so like, uh, it's kind of like that, this quality of like, oh, can I listen even to that which is showing up in the body and the heart and the mind with this uh, quality of um, interest and openness? And even with someone who's a good friend, you could just sit there with them maybe and not really be doing much, you know, like just hanging out quietly together. Uh, we don't do this this much in America as much. In some cultures, like people just do that, like just like sit there next to each other. <laughs> we do that here in the re- retreat a lot, right? <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I remember I spent some time in uh, Indonesia when I was in college, and people would just do they come visit and they just like sit there on the porch together, like and quietly doing nothing. But you know, so I was like, well, could you do that with yourself too? Like, what if nothing either incredibly exciting or incredibly terrible is happening in your inner world? physically or emotionally? Like, would it be okay to just be there hanging out with this breathing body? Or will it be like, oh, it's too boring, let's make up a problem to, you know, <laughs> solve. So in this way, there's a way in which we can, you can notice sort of what the edges of that are, you know, and it's related to some of the other questions about like seeking something externally or, you know, distraction. Um, like notice, like maybe even just stretch a little bit more, like, oh, can I feel this a little bit more? And then if it gets like, oh, I don't think I can, then go back to, you know, just feeling breath, something, and then like, oh, can I be with this like a little bit more? And then at some point you might notice the collapse of friendliness towards that, right? Like, forget about it, I'm out, right? <laughs> so then just notice that. Then you can, you can always uh, like kind of work it around. It's like, oh, can I be friendly towards this unfriendliness, right? The unfriendliness is like, get me out of here, ring the bell already, I hate this retreat, why did I sign up for it, and, you know? It's like, oh, look, this is the mind that's aversive, the mind that hates being here. Like, oh, that's hard. It's hard to be somewhere you don't want to be. Like, what does that feel like? So you can actually even be friendly to the unfriendliness. And then maybe the unfriendliness gets more grouchy because of that, right? (laughs) Then you can be friendly to the grouchiness. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I can play with it a little like that. And as I said at the beginning of the sitting in the early morning, sometimes even physically, like putting a little bit of a smile on your face kind of, not a giant, you know, grin, but like a little smile can kind of incline you a little bit towards a favorable um, relationship to yourself, to your, towards your experience. You know? uh, yeah, so we'll say more about it, but it's a good question to observe, like, oh, what's the attitude of the mind? and uh, Inclined towards this kindness, friendliness, curiosity, all these qualities. Oh, no, nothing's happening. I'm freaking out.
Can, can you say something more about what uh, the word discernment means to you? Or what, in which way you're using it there, maybe? Yeah, it's a beautiful intention to have, you know, that one of trying to make choices in that way that are neither harmful to oneself or other. And so then the question is like, how do you do that? And the, the very basics of what we're practicing of, you know, becoming closer to um, what's happening in the heart, in the body, in the mind um, is really key to that, you know, being able to tune in uh, more closely. So uh, in one way you could say there is a basic um, goodness uh, and that, um, like the basic, the basic, uh, you know, nature of the heart, of the mind, of um, awareness itself is uh, is clear, pure, reflective. Um, but then we have different states that uh, arise uh, at different um, times. Some of which are intensely uh, harmful, like a vi- sense of violence or aggression or greed or something like that. And then other ones are like different wholesome states, right? So like a generosity or a compassion, something like that. Uh, and as I was saying, like these these things change very quickly in what we call our life. So even in the snap of a finger, there can be like thousands of mind moments of different ones coming and going. Uh, and even in one action, like let's say you hold the door open for someone, it could be like a sense of generosity, and then suddenly it's like, oh look how generous I am! I'm holding the door. I'm, I'm a very good person, right? Then it's like a little ego. Then it's like feeling bad about that. Then it's back to being generous. Then it's like this person's <laughs> taking a long time to go through, like. Uh, wanting to rush them, then, you know, like, so all these things happen very quickly. Um, So this discernment, this, you know, seeing clearly what's there and then doing our best to act from the wholesome ones, you know, the ones that are neither harming ourselves nor others um, is very helpful. Also in the path to be able to do that, it seems like um, one of the routes is to feel everything more closely such that we can feel the burn of the unwholesome ones. You know, like we really feel the burn of that moment of um, contraction of greed or the moment of aggression. You know? So rather than pretending like, oh, I'm not an aggressive person, I'm nice, I meditate. You know, it's like if that comes up, the urge to like whack something, like feel what that feels like and feel how intense that is and feel, yeah, that sense of disconnection. Uh, it's actually already violence in, internally before we externalize that. So tuning into that more and more, and this is also some way of um, you know, feeling this dukkha, this difficult, stressful, suffering nature of uh, what shows up. But everything is passing. So all of this, we don't need to take any of it to be me, essentially. Um, so we can tune into that and then, um, yeah, let them all go as is their nature. Great. Thank you so much for your questions. So now is a period of um, walking meditation. And so Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.